Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Alive Sampson, co-founder and COO of Cabby. Cami is an app that offers cloud-based tools which allow teachers and students to annotate, edit, and collaborate on digital documents, ultimately to help classrooms go paperless. Alive grew up in the Philippines, where she studied computer science for her first degree. She then immigrated to New Zealand with her family and completed a Bachelor of Arts, majoring in political studies and media studies at the University of Auckland. It was here that her entrepreneurial journey really started, back in 2013. She was looking for a better way to take lecture notes collaboratively while she was studying, and Alev, along with three other co-founders, created Cami to help solve that problem. Cami is one of the fastest-growing edtech companies in the world. It has 18 million users globally and is a much-loved product. Alev herself was a New Zealander of the Year Young New Zealander semi-finalist in 2019 and New Zealand Women of Influence Awards finalist in 2018. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Alev's career journey today. Good morning, Alev, and thank you very much for joining me. Morning, Anna. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'd love to start a little way back, if I may, and thinking back to when you were a child, what careers did you think about or, or dream about when you were a kid? When I was a kid, the usual Asian parent thing is to encourage their kids to think about being a doctor or being a lawyer or being a teacher. So I started thinking about, oh, maybe perhaps I can be a doctor. But as I grew up, I started to unravel different kinds of interests and talents, I guess, that made me decide that maybe I should try a different path um, than the usual recommendations from my parents. So I started thinking maybe I should go into the creative field because I was quite creative ever since I was a kid. And then when I was in high school, I started skipping school, which is not a good idea, and just staying at home and starting doing my own blog. I just self-taught how to do a website, how to design it, and that really piqued my interest. And everybody in school started to know that I can do some websites and do those fancy effects on MySpace and um, multiply and all those early social <laughs> networking sites. And that gave me quite a confidence that maybe perhaps I should focus on developing. And for my f- degree in the Philippines, I got into one of the top universities there, which was really good. And I just pursued my love for programming. Unfortunately, it Studying computer science wasn't for me. I think I still have the creative side in me that it's just itching to get out. When I moved in here in New Zealand, it gave me a clean slate 
and gave me the opportunity to try and study different fields. So that's how I got into doing political science and media instead of continuing my you know, studies in computer science. But programming and building websites for me has always been one of my biggest passions. So I still continue doing that while studying. I would still do freelance work. So that earned me a little bit of money on the side. I did photography as freelance as well. I did graphics as freelance as well. So I was really happy when I was in uni because I am studying something that interests me while also making money of something that I really like to do. Great. And it sounds for me really interesting to see how you've combined that creative side also with that love of technology. And you've over time found the way to bring those two together. I was interested to understand you. Know, what was it about, whether it's programming, whether it's about the world of technology, what, what was it that you really loved about that? I just love building things and being online and the possibilities of things that you can create and build is just mind-blowing for me and it just piques my interest and knowing that I can do certain things that could affect other people that was really good wherever I am I can do something great so I guess that first led me into thinking maybe I should focus into something online in the near future so that's how I got started great and I was interested, there's not always, you know, typically often I find girls are interested in technology at an early age. And then sometime, whether it's in the mid-teens or even as they go through to university, that interest drops off or they drop out of the, the courses. What do you think would help to keep girls and young women interested in getting into technology fields? I guess I experienced that as well when I was studying computer science because in my class, there were only a few of us who were girls. And, you know, having that social interaction was kind of a challenge for me. I think that's one of the reasons why it didn't spark my interest to continue like studying computer science when I moved here in New Zealand. Because I, I was like, look, I just want to be surrounded with more people that shares the same interests as I do, aside from technology. I would love to see more creativity included into technology because developing it is itself is an art. It just needs a little bit of like a touch of creativity just to pique some interest for those who are a little bit more interested into both technology and the creative side of things. I think right now when I was studying computer science, then it was really heavy on just the technical side of things, which I agree it is very important, but you, you got to have balance. And then now having a software company, I can fully understand that you got to have that marriage of creativity and the technical technicalities on this kind of fields. And I think for when I was a young student, when I was studying computer science, if that was an option, if that's that existed... I would have stayed and continued my studies doing computer science. I would have probably taken software engineering here in Auckland Uni as well if I know that there are some creative options that is merged with technology. Because right now, I, I don't think any of the top 
tech companies or top apps around the world do really well if there's no creativity included in it, if there's no psychology put into it and some social research that's put into it. Because these things, as great as they are, if if you don't think about the human side of things and how people behave and get their interests and pique their interests, it's not going to work out. So I think if there's something like that in those studies, I can imagine other girls who are like me would be more interested in to studying these kind of fields. Fascinating. And I think, as you say, almost being able to talk about technology or, you know, I'm not even sure the term computer science is all that helpful, but <laughs> being able to talk about the world of technology as being very much actually focused on the human experience and about innovation and creativity, even talking about it in that different way is probably more likely to encourage more girls to give it a go. And then, as you say, that incorporating some of those aspects within the courses might mean more girls and young women stick with it as well because you can see that broader aspect of it. Yeah, great. And then tell me then, Alev, about your journey to to co-founding a a company and perhaps some of the highlights and the challenges of those first few years. I started getting into this company when I met my current co-founders, Henji and Jordan. We were in uni, so I was freelancing and they got me to help out their engineering organization to do some of their creative side of things. So I did some of their graphics and their photos and their videos, which is really cool. And then at the end, Angie and I started going out. So we've been dating and he was telling me about this really cool competition in uni. It was called Spark then. I think they renamed it now to Velocity. It's a entrepreneurial challenge when students can submit their entrepreneurial and business ideas in um, being to win some of like mentorship and opportunities to move further with their business ideas. During that time, the three of us have been figuring out a way to have more collaboration in the classroom and to have better note-taking. So they're finally doing that project, which is really cool. And now they want to, we're submitting it to a entrepreneurial business case um, competition. So unfortunately, we didn't win that competition, but we had the best time just going through and testing our idea and everything about our business And from Velocity, we did meet Bob, who is currently our chairman and chief revenue officer. He was one of the judges who became our mentor. So that was really cool because that's, I think that was way better than winning the competition, to be honest, because we've met Bob and he basically became one of our, our mentors and he was the one who introduced us to our first investors as well. Bob introduced us to David Russell, who's an expat. He was in the country planning on putting together a startup accelerator and Bob introduced us to him. And he was basically the one of our earliest investors. And that gave us the first seed round that gave us you know, enough money to just keep pursuing this for the next year. It wasn't much. We still did our side hustles. I was still doing website development and other freelance stuff. I was even doing Airbnb photography at some point just to earn some living um, while doing Cami, which was really good and fun, but also challenging as well. So when we were doing that, 
the biggest challenge for us is that we were struggling to grow as fast as we wanted it to be. At the first year, we only had 5,000 signups, which might be good for other people. But for us, it wasn't the growth that we were aiming for. And we were already running out of our initial seed round. We tried asking the more investors, hey, do you want to put in more money? We're still, there's, we, can, we know that there's potential in this. We want to continue. Unfortunately, that didn't push through. So we're like, look, it's either we stop this or we pivot. We try and tweak it into something that would work and that would give us the growth that we're aiming for, which we did. Um, at the end of the day, we pivoted. Instead of focusing on universities and selling it to university students, we were like, look, we'll put it online. We'll target whoever needs this kind of annotation app. We are not going to restrict ourselves into New Zealand universities. We're going to make it open to anyone who wants to use the app, um, which was, I think, was a really good move for us because at the end of the day, we gained so much interest from our early users. And to be honest, none, most of the buttons on the app aren't even working yet. None of them can even sign out because <laughs> it was that early, early on from that development side of the app. So from that, we, we just continued on and we picked up a lot of speed, which was really great. And we managed to secure another seed round, which actually kept us going for another two years and helped us develop and refine the app itself. Later on, we've, we were so broad that we've been getting so much requests from different types of users. We have doctors using our app. We have lawyers using our app, professionals, teachers. So they all have different requirements, which for a team of four, then that was a struggle to put together because we... It was only us plus a marketing guy. And I think we just hired another developer on board as well. And we couldn't cater to all the demands. So we sat down and we thought amongst ourselves, like, look, we got to focus. At the end of the day, we decided that we'll focus in education, which looking back, I think that was a really good decision for us. It was hard during that time, to be honest, because education, it's not a very attractive market to be at because we have no idea how to sell to schools. We don't know if they are going to pay um, for this app. Like we, we did try to sell to schools, to universities when we first started and didn't work out. But for us, I guess when we decided to go ed tech, one of the biggest things that we're thinking of is that we know that teachers need the app that we're building. And we've heard it from all our early teacher users that this is something that they really need in the class. When this whole pandemic happened, it basically fast forwarded everything that we've been working on probably two to five years of development in the edtech space, which is big challenge, not just for the teachers who are suddenly forced to implement all these technology, but also for us because we were expecting this to transition a year or two from now, but it suddenly happened within a day, which was, I guess, that's the biggest. And still, 
the struggle that we're trying to cope up. Mm, I can imagine. And really interesting for me to hear that journey between starting fairly narrow, quite niche in your product and your idea, then go, actually, you know, okay, we need to go more scale. So we'll look at much broader geographies, much broader scope, potential users, and then actually recognizing, actually, you know, now we need to focus again. Okay. <laughs> um, so really, yeah, really interesting to see that kind of journey as it goes through. I was interested to understand because the world of technology, the world of even being an entrepreneur, there's a few white men in that world and and you bring probably quite a different, refreshing perspective. I don't know if you've heard of the lawyer May Chen. She talks about it being super diverse and the benefits that brings. How has your different perspective helped you, do you think, in, in your career? I guess for me, coming from a Filipino background, growing up in the province in the Philippines, being a female entrepreneur, it was very challenging at first because I grew up in a culture where female voice is not that heard as much. Usually you're just expected to be there listening, be, be timid, I guess, be very passive. But I've started to learn to have my own voice and be more courageous with speaking out in terms of showcasing my ideas and also if I do not agree on anything that I would have the confidence to say so. As I traverse along this entrepreneurial journey, I've met a lot of amazing female entrepreneurs as well, which actually helped boost my confidence. I guess what I bring in is just a different perspective because I grew up not really poor, but I grew up without all the opportunities that other kids might have during my time. I, as mentioned, I grew up in a province in the Philippines. Internet wasn't that accessible in where I was. At the beginning, I would just go to a computer um, station and rent out a computer for an hour so that I can just start using the computer so I have an assignment to to submit. But most of the time I would just use the typewriter that my dad would borrow next door so that I can just do my assignment. That was the early struggles that I had. So for me, having all these opportunity when I moved to New Zealand, I just took it. I know the struggle. I know what it's like having no opportunities at all or having limited opportunities around me. So when I was here, like, oh, I can do this. I can be an entrepreneur. I can start my own company. I can build something. I can be a freelancer. I can create stuff. So that was really good. With whatever project, especially for Cami, whenever I do something, I would just be very appreciative of what I have in front of me and make the best out of it. And not take that for granted because I think I've seen some entrepreneurs who do take some of these things for granted, which is, I think, a missed opportunity for them. But I I think with my perspective of growing up in the Philippines and just being an immigrant in this country, it gave me very different view on how to look at things and how to do things more differently than other people would have done. 
Fantastic. And absolutely, it is that kind of super diversity coming through in terms of background, in terms of where you've come from, in terms of your own, as you said, even that kind of creative look at, at things, the perspective of maybe a woman coming in, all those different angles coming in, I'm sure it'd be hugely helpful. And Alice, you've recently had a baby who I, I can hear the occasional little squeak in the background, oh which is gorgeous. <laughs> no, don't worry, it's absolutely fine. And I think, as I mentioned before we started talking, you know, I'm a mum of three myself. I know that becoming a parent for the first time, no matter what gender you are, just simply becoming a parent and trying to still manage and juggle work around that can be challenging, but it also can be a change in terms of your identity. How has having a baby impacted on, on your work and career? blessed to have my husband as my co-founder. So we both go through the same challenges at the same time. He is actually working extra um, hard because he didn't have a paternity leave because and he took over all the work that I left behind. I just got back from my maternity leave probably three months ago. So it was a big change, not for myself, but for also for him. Right now, we, we have our baby with us most of the time and we try to juggle around. Sometimes we have some of our family to help, which is really good. We have our parents to help out and look after the baby, which is great. But I think having a baby, it just teaches you how to value time more. <laughs> Before, I would just be chill about my day and just like, oh, I can do this. I can do that. Uh, totally fine. Now having a kid, you just, okay, I got to make sure my day is spent wisely because I only have this much time to focus on things and be really productive and this much time I need to focus on the baby. So I think that's one of the biggest thing that I've learned in also juggling, multitasking. I thought I was a multitasker before I was a mom. And then now I'm just like, this is next level multitasking. Even for my husband, he wasn't a multitasker at first. Now he can just, he does most of his meetings with a baby on hand, which is really funny to see because like I wouldn't expect him to be able to do that and just focus on his meetings before having our baby. So I guess that's, those are the two things that I've learned so far. I'm still learning. I think every day is still a new thing. Something pops up and you're like, oh yeah, there's that again. <laughs> there's a new challenge. And you think that you figured things out by Googling and talking to other moms. You're like, oh, what's this? How do I do this? Which is good, I guess, for me because it, it still keeps us sharp and just keeps us on our toes to be very, I know, focused on the baby and not take that for granted. Mm, and I think it's really, for me, I like hearing most of those lessons that you learn as a parent about the value of time or about, you know, how do you multitask or about that kind of being comfortable most with constant change and needing to adjust and learn as you go. All those are wonderful mm. lessons for life and for work as well as for being a parent as well. And I'm, you know, really aware a lot of uh, the kind of stories you read about, particularly around startup companies, about entrepreneurs in the early stage, talks about how full on it is in terms of the hours and the dedication and that you have to give. How do you personally find balance between your work and, and having some time to be able to recharge as well? Right now, how we're doing this, we change up our schedule every now and then based on the baby and we'll 
in her own schedule. She has her own schedule. So we try to focus more on, okay, what does the baby need now? And just make that as our top priority. And then everything else falls through. The, the biggest balance for the both of us is just trying to make sure that we still look after the company while still looking after the baby. The good thing is that both my husband and I are just so over traveling because before we had a baby, we were nonstop flying in and out of the US. So we're kind of happy to be just staying here in New Zealand, staying at home with a baby and just focusing on work and baby. We're quite homebody, so we don't require much, I guess, downtime. Like for us, downtime is just sitting in front of the TV and watching a movie and we're happy. You're still early in your career, but I've achieved a lot in a pretty short period of time. Where do you see your career heading in the future? I can imagine doing Cami for, you know, in the near future, continuously building this company and just helping more teachers because we are 18 million users right now, but we're still scratching a very small surface at the moment and the opportunity is still very big for us to be dedicated into putting all these hours, putting really early, early hours and just working nonstop. It's not because we're driven by the fact that, oh, we just want to be successful. That's a given. But the thing that really drives the founders, and I, I can see it in the, our team as well, is that it's because we know that we help other people. We get a lot of messages from educators telling us how much it has changed and helped them in their daily lives, which for us is just heartwarming to hear and to see. Some of them would you know, leave special messages to specific people, just thanking them for doing extra hard work. So those things for us, those things drive us, those things push us to working really hard. And for me, like whatever I do in the future, I would want to focus on something like this, something that brings value to a lot of people. And I think that from the stories that I've heard of other entrepreneurs, as you said, it's not enough just to be looking for success or to make the money. Actually, exactly. you've got to have that really strong drive of purpose and what value are you going to create Definitely. and actually how do you make people's lives better. That's actually much more likely to ultimately lead to success in the, in the future. One last question, if I may, Alev. What career advice would you have for other women? I would say just get started. If you yourself want to be an entrepreneur and you're having second thoughts, we're in a position right now to do whatever projects or whatever business that we want to focus on. We do have a lot of platforms now that enable us to do so. I've met a lot of amazing female entrepreneurs and I know that they might have encountered some challenges, but they their experience and their drive just pushed them into just pursuing what they love and they're now having all these success. And if they can do that, you can definitely do so as well. And if you're feeling afraid of doing so, the network of female entrepreneurs here in New Zealand is growing really, really fast. And the support that you're going to get is just amazing. Even just online, you can, you can have 
You can browse through a lot of Facebook groups that's focused on female entrepreneurs or LinkedIn groups that does that. Joining those would give you a lot of insight on being an entrepreneur and going through this journey. But for me, I think it's definitely worth the whole risk. And even though there's a pandemic, some people might be the third to do something because, hey, there's a pandemic, there's there's nothing going on or, oh, I lost my job or, oh, I lost a client or something like that. But I always, for me personally, I always find opportunity amongst any challenges that you know that you encounter the world needs a lot of things right now and you might be able to help solve some of these problems in your own way and there's I, I don't think there's anything that should stop you to doing so as well mm-hmm. wonderful advice and I think as you say there is this kind of sometimes that nervousness about getting started but actually as you say to see so many more women now in New Zealand starting running their own highly successful businesses and to learn and be inspired by them. Yeah, wonderful advice. Yeah, and there's also podcasts like this one that you can easily listen in and hear from other female entrepreneurs' experience. So I I don't think there's a shortage to it. So yeah. And I guess it is part of, for me, the purpose of this podcast is that there's that saying, you know, you can't be what you can't see. Well, actually, let's share some of these stories of incredible women who are here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and, and what they're doing. And hopefully then that inspires others to pursue some of their dreams or fulfill some of their goals. Alive, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you. And thank you so much for taking the time today and for sharing some of your journey. It's really inspirational for me to hear that the risks that you take and the phenomenal growth that you've seen in your business, all still at a really young age, and but also really um, fascinated to hear your take on technology and how we can get more women and more girls involved in it. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Thank you, Anna, for having me. And thank you for doing this podcast. This is really good. And I can imagine a lot of female entrepreneurs would value this so much. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.